Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. Mark my words, Michael Knight will die. I am the voice of Knight Industry 2000's microprocessor. You wish to eat, you wish to drink, you wish to reproduce. Yeah. Which one first? Uh, excuse me, I was going to get a heel student phone. It's a new season. It's a new. It's a new Greg and Dave. It's a new day. It's. It's. We're wearing new clothes. Mm, yes. We're not. No one's hungover. Mm, well, are you? No, I'm not. Thank goodness. Okay. <laughs> are you feeling better? Yeah, but uh, just to just to get the ball rolling. Oh, you! I'm having a. Uh, did you open it? A, a moat. A moat mountain pilsner. Ooh, it sounds delicious. Mm. Oh, Greg it is. taking hits from his pilsner. Yep, there hits we go. From the pills. There we go. So that'll get me going through the through the episode. So let's let's light this up. Let's do it, man. We're we're, we're here, man. We are we are somewhere that we've been before. I will say, um, we we've, we've done we've done final seasons before, but I don't. I didn't feel as emotional. When we when we wrapped MacGyver, than when we did this one, because I've just become very attached to this show. I know, like I started, I'm like, this is the last time I'm going to watch the show for the first time. Like, I know it's uh, yeah, it's a bit emotional, but I'm really excited, and I was a little frustrated. No, well, I don't know if I'm going to cry. I'll be, I'll be, you know, I'll chalking up our entire adventure at the end. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be something, but I'll look forward to the next one. But I was a little frustrated starting this episode because the the DVD set that I have is one of the Mill Creek editions. Like, uh, I mean, yeah. they print them all, but it's not in a book. All the discs are separate, like in sleeves, and so oh. it's a pain in the ass because I, I was like pulling them all out of order. Yeah, so it took me a while to find the right disc. But once I did, I had a great time. Wait. Wait. So wait. They're all in just like paper, single paper sleeves. Well, they, they they're dual sided, so they there's one disc on each side. But over the yeah. course of the past, you know, year or something, I've got them all mixed up. So trying to oh, find oh, oh. trying to find episode one of season four, I had to like pull the whole kit apart and like <laughs> find the disc. But there <laughs> like, you go. Oh man, would I have loved to have been you this afternoon? Like, oh, this. It was great. It was. Oh man, it was good. <laughs> It was good, um, man. All right. Well, guess what, though? Welcome to Champa and Klein, the, the Night Rider Years, a podcast by two friends who share a love of classic 80s television. I'm your host, Dave Champa. I'm your other host, Greg Klein. If you're new to the show, first of all, welcome to the final season of Night Rider. The, the basic idea is that Greg and I will choose a classic show from the 80s and dissect it episode by episode. We like to have discussions. We like to go on tangents. We... Very rarely we'll shit on the show, but if we do, it's because we love it so much that we can't help but shit on the show. Um, you know, like when you when you shit on your family members that you really love, but you just shit on them. That's exactly right. Like Wait, at first, night, you you creep into their room and you take a big dump on their forehead. That's okay. Well, oh my god, I have to tell you what I did to Eva a couple days ago. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of spitting. how did that? I hope it's not. Oh man, how did that jog your memory? Okay, I will. I'll tell you in a second. So okay, so basically that's the gist of our show. Greg is also convinced that all 80s TV and movies are connected within the same universe, so that comes into play many, many times throughout. Okay, so here's my story. Are you ready mm-hmm. for this? I am, yes. Right. So what are we recording? This Wednesday the 24th. So this must have been maybe Sunday night. This was a week ago from when you guys are listening to this. I, out of a dead sleep, I hear Eva cough in her bedroom at like 2 o'clock in the morning. And for those of you who don't know, my youngest daughter has a tendency, she's a puker. She will puke unannounced a couple times a year, most of the time in the middle of the night. So my brain has been wired to hear any noise out of the norm in the middle of the night is immediately Eva vomiting. So <laughs> I get out of my bed, 2 o'clock in the morning, I, I kind of shuffle into Eva's room, and I, she's awake looking at me, and I look at her, and I said, oh, you threw up. Let's take you to the bathroom. Let's get you changed, get you in the shower. We'll get all that stuff done. I'll clean the sheets when you're in bed with mom. Turn the light on in the bathroom. She goes to the mirror, and she looks at me and goes, Dad, I, I, I didn't throw up. I said, "What are you talking about?" Yes, you did. It's all over your pillow. She goes, "No, I really didn't." And I went. And I put my hand on her face. I like stroked her hair. I'm like, "Oh my god, her body's not wet. There's nothing there." I ran into the bedroom. The speckles on her pillow looked like flecks of puke. <laughs> so I dreamt that she had thrown up. Got well, her out of a 
You actually wait. You oh, so you you thought you heard her, or she actually coughed? I don't know if she did or not because I was so discombobulated at that point that I ran in to th- and told her to get out of bed. And when I realized it later, I was like, "Shit, she didn't." I don't know if she coughed. She definitely didn't puke. I felt so bad for her. I said, "Buddy, I'm so sorry." She goes, "No, it's fine, Dad. I'm okay. I'm good." And then she just rolled over, and went back to sleep. She's then awesome. The next- <laughs> The next morning, she was like, Dad, why'd you wake me up? I'm like, I don't know. I thought you puked. <laughs> well, you know, here, this is what's going to happen. So she's, you know, woken you up on occasion throughout the years from puking. And now she's. it sounds like she might be getting out of it a little bit. I think as she gets older and becomes a young adult, you'll start, you, you will start waking her up thinking that she's puked, kind of getting <laughs> your own revenge in a little way. So it'll be I your just, thing. You'll just wake up and kind of sleepwalk into the room. Eva. Get up. You threw up all over yourself. She's like, Dad, I'm 17. I can do it. No, you didn't. Get out of bed. (laughs) I can see you. Oh, nope. Sorry. That's your pillow. (laughs) I just felt terrible, but she's such a good kid that she just was like, no, it's fine. I'll go back to sleep now, Dad. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. But yeah, so she, uh, she, we had a good time with that, but she's actually, that kid's going to be seven years old this week. That's crazy. That's crazy. I can't freaking believe it. It's unbelievable, but. I'm chewing ice. I'm sorry. That's a really awful thing to do during podcast. <laughs> but, you know, as as our listeners know by now, we don't follow the rules and we don't care. No, we don't. We don't care. Greg, how else How else have you been? Have you do, You had a good week? I know oh, I've had an awesome week so far. Yeah. Since I climbed out of my pit of hangover. Good God. <laughs> that was just an indiscretion. But, yeah, I had a great time. Yesterday, around my house, like we've lived here for just about six years now. And I've yep. always known there's a whole network of trails in our town that it's managed by like a nonprofit. Yeah. And for the first time, I've decided to actually explore them. And there is this enor- this huge like three mile loop in the woods near my house that my buddy and I hiked the other day. Uh, so with the loop, with the three miles and plus getting there and everything, we walked like five miles through the woods. Man, it was awesome. We had such a good time, and it's just down the street from my house, and I feel like such a tool bag for not experiencing it before. I mean, come on. What an idiot. So You had, you had sent me that, that video text to tell me about the paths, and when you showed me the video, I'm like, that's it's beautiful down there. Like, there it are is. There's so many beautiful paths. It's gorgeous, <laughs> well-groomed, and like, like you know, kind of challenging, too. Like, it's hiking, it's, but it's not flat. And it was, uh, I'm like, this is my freaking backyard? Uh, what? What a dope. So thank you, COVID, for shutting down the world because I probably wouldn't have wandered out there. I mean, what yeah. the shit, man? Six years? Yeah. Six uh, years of it. And I just, I was, yeah, it's crazy. Open my eyes, man. You, you, it's like you really just have to just get involved where you live, you know? So I think I know that you, I think I know the answer to this question, but as we're talking about COVID-19, I was reading an article this morning about how the the amount of do-it-yourself projects from people at home has like spiked dramatically over the last three months are you finding Mm -hmm. that like diy projects around the house yeah like uh funny my mom's been coming over because we've been re-caulking and painting some of the windows and like in the basement area um that need repainting so we've been doing that bit by bit which is fun um just working on little things around you know yeah exactly like i'm planning on building a lean-to on our shed so definitely you know because awesome. there's a lot of time. There's yeah. a lot of time well, here. I think you saw the picture that Kristen and I, my dad had come up last weekend and dropped off all those fire pit stones. Mm. And so Kristen and I dug out all the old rocks and just like rebuilt our fire pit uh, from the ground up and put that little like we put a little rock perimeter around it. And we had this roaring fire, which the fire pit is so deep now that we can make huge fires and we won't have to worry about like the fire like spilling out onto the grass <laughs> that's nice as long as yeah. you can still get the heat from it nice and stay oh, warm man. At night. it was unbelievable we're gonna buy a bunch of bundles of wood i think this weekend and start Sweet. A, a nice little wood pile but yeah we were uh we were doing that we've done a lot of shit around this house <laughs> mm-hmm. that's good for a house we don't for a house we don't own we've been doing <laughs> a lot of diy <laughs> that's right did you ever uh you ever run that dehumidifier into your sink so i found i i'm going to i actually since we last talked on saturday i haven't um I haven't picked up a hose, but I'm going to get a a probably think I need like a 15 foot hose to get from the dehumidifier to to the sink. So, yeah, as long as your your dehumidifier has a pump in it, they're usually just gravity fed. So you'll probably have to put it above the sink. That's easy enough. I can do that. They do make for for that like short little like five or 10 foot hoses with just with the hose fitting on it. So you don't have to buy like the actual garden hose. 
Well, I was thinking of just suspending it in my lawn, like hanging the dehumidifier by fishing wire. Uh huh. Just, 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 just suspending it over my washing machine. It's like, so that it's like ev- probably a sixty pound dehumidifier. I think, fire, I right? think it'd be okay. You know, so every time you do the laundry, it's like you know, it's uh, you just run that risk of it crashing down on your head. While I'm putting laundry in, it just like friggin' brains me. Yeah, I smashes think it'd be you, fun. and they find you passed out in the washing machine. Just the thing on just agitating my brain matter. That's not funny. It happens to people. It's Kids get their arms all. ripped off doing Listen, that. Listen, like, I got I got locked in my dryer as a child, and I have claustrophobia. Because seriously? Of it. So it, it, yeah, it was. It's real. It's wow. Because back in the eighties and nineties, a lot of a lot of old school dryers had spring loaded doors, so you would mm. open it and it would snap shut. So I opened it, crawled in, and it snapped shut and locked behind me, and I stuck in there for like forty minutes. That's terrifying. I'm sorry. Well, my mother was smoking butts in the basement, so she couldn't hear me <laughs> screaming. So whatever, it's fine. Because she re- smokes that loud. What is? Oh, never mind. Never mind. Your dryer wasn't in the basement. It was not in the basement. Okay. It's okay. It's like, uh, what? what? I'm smoking butts. <laughs> she just couldn't hear you screaming because she inhaled so loudly. <laughs> that was exactly what it was. Trying to make sense um, of the situation here. As we're talking about trying to make sense of stuff, do you want to talk about tonight's episode? I think that's why our loyal listeners are here, right? I think it is. All right, guys, here we go. It is, for the last time, the season four premiere Episode 1, Night of the Juggernaut, Part 1. I want to kick off a season premiere like we always do with the, with the, with the top films and top TV shows of 1985. Mm. Um, one of my favorite parts of any show that I do, I love doing this. This aired, Knight Rider Season 4 aired in the 1985-86 season, and you're going to be shocked. It took a nosedive in the ratings this season. Really? It did. Um, so let's, let me go over the, I want to go over the top five movies first, and then we're going to talk about the TV shows for a couple minutes. So the number five, Highest grossing film of 85 was Cocoon with $76 million. Okay. I've, ever seen, I've never seen that, actually. Have you ever seen Cocoon? I don't believe I have. Nope, I have not. I've heard it's good, but I have no idea. I've never never seen it. I know it's about old people being taken over by aliens. <laughs> that sounds great. Sure, I'll, I'll roll with that. But yeah, Absolutely. I have not seen it. My my buddy, I grew up in New Jersey, he, he, he liked it a lot when we were younger. I don't know. Oh, okay. Weird. But um, all right, number four is Rocky Four, eighty nine point one million. Okay, Ivan Ivan Drago. I think that might be one of my favorite Rocky movies. Love that one. Uh, number three was Rambo: First Blood Part Two, hundred and fifty, almost one hundred and fifty one million dollars at the box office. Wow! The, so two Stallone films are at the top of the box office. Then yeah, f- number four and number three. Number two was Beverly Hills Cop with one hundred and fifty seven point three million dollars. And this one is no surprise. It's one of my favorites. The number one film was a ho- Back to the Future in 1985. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Abs- almost $191 million at the box office in 1985. So that's awesome. Good year. Yeah. Good year. Good year. Now, top TV shows of the 1985-86 season that, are, that do not include 60 Minutes or any news programs because the top five was littered with them. So I took those out. So I just I'm focusing just on actual scripted television i took i took the other stuff out so number five show that i had was a tie between dynasty and the golden girls with 21.8 million average viewers wow okay which i thought was pretty awesome um number four was dallas which i mean (laughs) i think dallas just hit the top fives for like 15 years number three was cheers with 23.7 million average viewers over the season number two was family ties with 30 million viewers and the number one show, which is a show that we're apparently no longer ever allowed to watch ever again, is The Cosby Show with 33.7 million viewers overall in its season. Now, Knight Rider took a bit of a nosedive. Now, from what I understand, that interest in the show had completely declined from seasons three to four, which led to its cancellation by the end of the season that we're in now, season four. Mm-hmm. So last season, it was in the top 30. I think it was number 26, and it hovered around the top 20, top 30 for the first three seasons, this season dropped completely out of the top thirty to number fifty-seven. Wow, that's a plummet. Yeah, and I think they said I think it was eighty-four shows that they cataloged and rated for the season, so it dropped down to number fifty-seven. And it just kept losing viewers. I think I couldn't find much else about it, but I guess people just weren't really into the episode. Yeah, it, it's we'll, we'll find out. But they've at, at the end of the last season, they started to get a little formulaic. Like you started to see a pattern, 
the nothing was really very interesting. Now, I want to talk about it because, okay, so we had a brief off-air production meeting, but we're going to do a quick on-air production meeting because I want the listeners to know that we're much like the way that I'm seeing season four go where they try i feel like season four tries to reinvent itself as much as possible and i think we're doing the same thing i want to immerse myself fully in this season and just watch it i don't i didn't want i stopped so i stopped taking copious amounts of notes i still took some notes about certain aspects of the show but i think for at least for a good chunk of this if not for all of season four I'm gonna. We're gonna stop the point by point synopses and just have a discussion about each episode, likes, dislikes, favorite parts. Mm-hmm. Kind of will allow us to get a little more, little more tangential, which I think you and I really appreciate doing with each other. <laughs> that that can be tremendously dangerous on all fronts. You know, sure, it sure can. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. So I'm really excited to try that out, and I think we should. So let's uh, let's do that, sir. All right. So the first episode, so it's called Night of the Juggernaut, which I think is so interesting that they call this episode Night of the Juggernaut, but you really almost never see it except for the beginning and the end. And then it's kind of peppered in once or twice uh, for about, you know, 30 or 45 seconds at a time. We don't really see a lot of the Juggernaut. Like, And, and, and so again, basic- we're, we're talking about because you and I, we decided to we decided to split this even though it's one it was aired as one episode we've decided to yeah. split it so in this first i think it came out to be like 47 minutes you yes. don't you only see the juggernaut in the first i guess it's the juggernaut they don't call it that um it's only right. in like the first like there's like a 10 or 15 second clip in the beginning and then at the end of the episode so that's all you see <laughs> okay so let, i want to talk about that opening sequence because do you you never see so the opening of the episode you see the juggernaut shows up and basically drives straight through a security guard building but you never see what happens to the security guard afterwards and so i questioned like did did it just like battering ram him completely out of out of existence yeah like, i'm going to say well first off i don't know what the point of that was i don't see a point i don't know why that happened because they didn't go after anything i don't right. know like i, I they were trying to break into something. I that's what I didn't. I wasn't clear on that. Anyway, yeah, this yeah. truck pulls up and they're like, "Oh, that's not our that's not our buddy in the security guard office because they had someone on the inside." They're like, "Well, let's do it anyway." So they got the juggernaut out and they drove it. It's basically this big, beefed up four by four with a battering ram on it. Yeah, I it's think that mobile, I think the security yeah. guard was uh, impaled by the battering ram. Let's... I just felt really bad because you see him try to call the cops, and then he dis- <laughs> and the next shot is the is the juggernaut driving away, and you see nothing else of the of the police officer, or the security guard. That moment is never referenced again. Mm-mm. So you don't they don't and, and the thing I that kind of bothered me, and again, it's only the first part, but they never really explain the juggernaut's overall use. I mean, we find out at the end of this first part what they're using it for right but they never really explain you just see like a bunch of like crewmen like tinkering and working on it over the course of the first part it's just like goliath though we had a better idea there but again like watching this episode it was the same thing you had 90 minutes to make a movie and you didn't like you could have done so much more but you didn't like i would have i just want more information i want more time spent on the characters instead of these long shots of driving or devon walking or whatever you know it's pointless what a waste now okay so i will say that one of my one of the best parts of the episode is the fact that devon is up devon is moving devon is around like he's at different locations he's all over this episode in more ways than one i think we can we can talk about that in a little bit but i loved that they got devon out from behind the desk my other my other biggest thing with this episode is did this have a very did this have a gritty feel to you like did they feel like they changed the whole aesthetic of the episode prior to season 3 it felt three? different i mean i don't know it's and well it's it's actually in chicago so it's shot on location in chicago yeah. which was interesting because that's i think the first time we've had a definite city called out that they're actually at i think you're right and the first time we see devin was different like the first time we see devin he calls michael and uh, he's he's not in his office. He's at someplace else, and there's an American flag in the background. Yeah. So that was different. Like that, that we never see Devin not in his office. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I thought that was great, but yeah, I definitely like the from the first couple minutes. I definitely felt this like the aesthetic of the whole thing. It just felt a little bit darker. You know, Michael's yeah. hair 
just was like a lot tighter <laughs> to his head to his head. <laughs> like it wasn't as poofy. Like as we remember Circus Night when we have the glowing the glowing pink like fluffy hair of season three. Yeah, it's true. He dialed it back for he sure. Absolutely. They definitely did. gave him a haircut. Absolutely. That's okay. But Devin looked identical. Oh, he hasn't changed even even a little bit. It's just nice to see it. It was just nice to see him up and moving around. It's true. So Greg, talk to me about because I don't understand, and maybe they didn't explain it because it, they sh- certainly did a shit job of trying to do it. Uh, Cernium one sixteen. Yeah, the foundation accidentally made a new isotope. <laughs> I love that. By <laughs> by smashing together, I forget uranium. It's something else. Two two elements to make a new isotope that they're discovering has a half life of something like thirty hours. Yeah, 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 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it can't be moved. It can only be moved in its stable state. So I'm like, you have to wait until it, you know, degrades enough so it's stable, so it's no longer useful. I don't know what the. I don't know what it is. Right. I mean, because like every thirty hours, whatever is dangerous about it is having it. The the it's changing every thirty hours. It's losing half of whatever's left. Right. So. It probably isn't dangerous after a couple of days right. or a couple of weeks. I don't know what the hell it and is just, or what it's for. They're just keeping it stable in the basement of the foundation, which I will say, this is a, this is a new location at the foundation that we've never seen before. But is it the foundation now? I thought it was some some lab that I don't I I didn't understand where they were. See, I thought I thought it was the basement of the foundation, like like with the Phoenix Foundation and MacGyver, like the 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 thirty fourth level under the ground, <laughs> like. Uh, but they're in Chicago. Oh shit! You're right. See now, I I can't even pay attention when I'm actually trying to watch it. <laughs> but they're in Chicago. They're someplace else. They're at some some lab that the foundation is wor- using or working at. I don't. I watched it too, and I still okay, didn't get okay. it. Okay, all right, but it doesn't matter because they they accidentally made an isotope. And they're gonna there you and go. They need to keep it stable for the where however long they need to until because they need to safely transport it somewhere, right? Isn't, mm-hmm. that, the, isn't that the right. deal? Okay, exactly. So when we meet, okay, so we've also seen the the main antagonist of this episode uh, before. He's yeah. been in the show before. I cannot place what character he played, and I didn't think enough to look it up i don't know but he's got such you remember like the 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 gi joe action figures but from like the yes! 70s yes that's what he reminds me oh, of. oh absolutely like, with like the hair that's like was clearly dipped in like a glue solution and then dipped in like this this flocking yes. that's what he, he's like he's like he's he's very like chia like he's very well groomed and like perfect yeah like his face is very round and i just want to like he seems very soft with his like with his with his weird plastic hand. <laughs> oh my god, that was great. So yeah, he, this is great. So he's interrogating the security guard who was supposed to be at the booth, right? That wasn't. Right. Um, and you know he extends his hand to shake it. He's like, you know, the security guard's freaking out. Like, I'm sorry, I missed it. I had a flat tire. I wouldn't. I was right on my way. And this is that. He's whatever. So this guy, he extends his hand to shake this other guy's hand, and they have a close up of this hand. And it's all like sweaty and rubbery and like weird looking. And then he grips this guy's hand and starts crushing it. And then he bitch slapped him into the freaking. <laughs> that was the best part. When he... And it will just like, oh my god! He crushes his hand and he throws him across the room with it. I, they don't even. They don't even explain. Like, was it a prosthetic hand, or did he like dip his hand in the whatever the chemical was? Like, what was that? I don't, I don't know. And I'm hoping that we'll find out that he's like he's built like some bio, bi- bionic hand or something. Because but in every- it looked so gross. <laughs> it was the- but it, well, I gotta say, at least it looked weird today yeah. on DVD. Maybe it read okay. I would, you I know, would, on a. 27 inch cathode ray tube because it looked like a prosthetic hand in that first scene but then in subsequent scenes when you see the same hand he's moving the fingers and he's getting all this so like what take my strong hand god get that away from me (laughs) (laughs) but he calls it out he's like this is the future and he holds it up to his bodyguard guy and that yeah misshapen claw oh but it wasn't though it was just like this perfect hand but it was just like it was like a mannequin's yeah. hand, but like covered with real yeah. skin. <laughs> the mannequin hand covered with real skin. Mm, love it. <laughs> we also Anywho. get a little bit deeper into the the Knight family. We get another. We get another. Uh, a, another um, 
another branch on the fa- on the Wilton on the Knight family tree. Uh, we meet uh, Jennifer Knight, Wilton's estranged daughter. I guess you could call it. Was it his daughter or was it, it was, like his I think niece? It was his daughter. No, daughter it was his daughter. daughter. So that means that it's Garth's, it was Garth's sister. sister. Yes, <laughs> which I think is so. And there, and so that's even weirder because there's Michael Knight who looks like Garth talking to his yeah. sister. I God, that clicked. Holy shit! That's, I I wow. hope I hope we get some moment in part two where Jennifer says something about him looking like Garth. They have to reference it. They have to bring that up. But maybe you know, maybe we don't know her age yet. Maybe Garth has been in prison in Africa ever since she was a little girl and she doesn't remember what he looks like and Michael killed him so That's she'll a never good point know too well and Jennifer she's kind of a she's kind of a twerp like she's she they're supposed yeah. to be having this like big meeting to talk about the future of the foundation and Jennifer comes in and basically just shuts the entire thing down she shuts down Kit she shuts down Michael she suspends him now they don't have a job and she was just like they're completely speechless, and I love that moment because I'm just like, oh my god! Like, so maybe you can clear it up. So the foundation is a branch of the Knight Foundation. It's like flag yes. is part of Knight Industries. It's a separate thing, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So we learn that the Foundation for Law and Government is but a facet of this Knight that's, Empire that's, that we're not even seeing the other half of it and the other that's whatever exactly it is. What I got from it because Jennifer basically, you know, in more in not as many words jennifer wants to like defund flag because she finds that what michael and kit do are completely wasted resources and a waste of money like there's no reason for them to be doing well that. what i loved was and uh, you know because when Devin was telling michael that she was thinking about doing this my first res- my thoughts were like i'm not surprised look at all the shit michael's destroyed over the years and when she's talking about it in the meeting they show video clips of Michael driving through buildings, you know, going over destroying vehicles, <laughs> flipping stuff over. And like that's exactly it. Of course they're going to defund and d- dissolve my, flag because they're a my menace. Hand up, Greg, I have a question. <laughs> yes, David, go Where ahead. Where do they get the footage? <laughs> I don't know. Well, they they clearly got it from the other the other episode. They Dave. just took it from the, It was the same footage from the other the episode. Cameraman just was asked the director of the episode. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. Where did they get the footage? Yeah, it it was uh, it was like the, of course. Yeah, there you go. Well, okay. So what go. I love, I love one of my favorite lines of the episode is so we find out that they're going to suspend all of the funds for Michael and Kit. They're putting Michael on probation. They're going to do that until they basically they can have Devin. Devin needs to be privy to this information because Devin has no idea what's happened because when this meeting goes on, Devin's been called away to like a, a really important meeting with a top nuclear physicist. So Devin is gone. And so they're like, okay, we're going to put you on suspension and suspend all this until we can let Devin know of this. And the guy has the best line. He says to Michael, he says, here's the deal. No more notoriety, no more stunts, no more car chases, and no more James Bond fantasies. Because <laughs> it's so accurate. It is 100% accurate. It, it almost makes me think like the writers were listening to the audience. They're like, this guy is a menace. He is. Like, he, he might be going after crooks and getting all kinds of stuff, but uh, what collateral damage? Right. And, like, he destroys things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But Michael, his defense was, you know, you, you, you might... This job has to be done. This has to be done. And you might not like our methods, but someone has to do it. So he's kind of like agreeing. It's like, yeah, we're a little extreme, but yeah. uh, we're going to do it anyway. thought that was a really impassioned speech. I thought it was a nice, nice bit of acting for Mr. Hasselhoff, if you ask me. It was. It was very swell. Um, he, it was good. So I want to talk about Devin for a little while here because we get a little bit more of his backstory and the history. We find out that there's another, there's another era of history that Devin was part was a part of. Mm-hmm. So when he talks about going to meet this Dr. Quinlan, the nuclear physicist, he starts talking about how Dr. Quinlan worked on the Manhattan Project way back when. And I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, can we put Devin in the Manhattan Project era? Does that mean? Yeah. That- be- well, because the Manhattan Project took place during World War II. That was to develop the the nuclear first nuclear devices. Right. So, was like, but not, yeah. Devin was in a it, Devin was in a, a prison camp at that point, probably. 
if he was during if it was during the war, That's he wouldn't true. have been involved in the Manhattan Project. So if I mean, he was the, in a German prison camp. So the Manhattan Project, I, I looked it up. It was 1939 to 1946. So it is possible yeah. that Devin may have worked a little bit with the Manhattan Project before before going to war. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So that was okay. That's true. You're very, you're very, you're very right. I just so, think it's funny that we we're putting Devin at it in this other like major milestone of American of like world history. <laughs> so maybe maybe he went overseas as you know that knife thrower guy, Valentino. Yep, Valentino to to recruit <laughs> German scientists before the war, oh, to God, yes. which you know or to plant the seed. Let's say let's say he did something like that and he got caught. I, okay, I don't know. I I dig I dig everything you've just said to me, Greg. I'm out of I'm out of water, by the way, and it makes me. Sad. You drank that very quickly. I'm gonna have to pee pretty quickly, but that's okay. Well, just pee in the cup and drink oh, it again. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. I want to talk about this this whole kidnapping of Devin plot and the routine that they go through. <laughs> so when Devin goes to meet up with Doctor Quinlan, he goes into the, he goes into Doctor Quinlan to talk to him, and he sees Mister Prosthetic, you know, Mister 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 Hardhand. Mr. Hardhand. <laughs> okay. Is that, is that what we're going to call him? But I don't know, but his hand, it didn't look hard. It looked like, oh, it looked like wet silly putty. <laughs> it was, yes, it was like sweaty and wet. It was just, it was, his hand just oozed moisture. It was gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, yeah it was pretty it was pretty uh, it was strange and so they kidnapped Devin, you know this 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 hard hands and in, in the in the 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 assistant and they're gonna torture Devin. so essentially what they want from Devin is they need the chemical compound that is used for kits what the, the whatever they use on kit to make him indestructible so there's like they need, they need to know his the molecular structure thank you i was my brain was not functioning to the point where yeah. i could remember that so they're like, well, we hear that you you're one of the only ones who knows what this compound is, so that we can basically they want to neutralize Kit's base so that they can destroy him. I don't know if they want to destroy Kit. They want to kill Michael because he's asking too many questions. Yeah, and they went after Michael once um, with the guns, and Michael got away. Like they, they sent out some thugs because Michael kept asking questions after Devin was kind of disappeared a little bit a right. lot of weird stuff going on yeah and they this quinlan wanted michael out of the picture just to stop any problems so they went after him and they found out kit was bulletproof and he could jump over stuff so then they asked Devin for the formula to dissolve the shell so they could kill kit and michael that's what that's what i get i i feel like the whole plot to kill kit and michael is completely beside the point of what they're actually doing because they're they what they want is they want that isotope they want the sodium 116 but because michael is asking too many questions they need to take him out of it so they need to figure out how to and i gotta tell you the way that they actually denutralized kit was pretty was pretty clever but we're still talking about devin but we're still getting let's let's get there but let's talk about what happens to devin miles so i love the line that hard hands has when he says you know uh mr miles we've (laughs) we've been told that you have a high threshold for pain and i'm like i'm going back i'm going back into devin's history and i'm like fuck yes he does two pow camps like of course he's got a high threshold for pain he can withstand anything (laughs) i want uh we're we have to we have to get on a tangent and write a series about Devin. Yes, but yeah, do. so basically Devin's like, yeah, well there's no one person knows that formula. All three there's three people and three people know parts of it. And they're like, "Oh no, we've gone into your past. We know that you're one of the three people that knows the whole formula." Right. And Devin's like, "Oh, you're right. I do have a high tolerance for pain." I was just like I got all giddy when I heard him say it. But so I thought so so the woman that's next to Devin's holding a scalpel. I'm figuring they're going to start like, you know, cutting his ears off or something. Right. But no, he pulls up the other guy, Quinlan, pulls up a uh, a syringe. He says, yeah. "This is the most powerful truth serum that is that ever existed." Right. Unfortunately, one of the side effects could be brain damage, but I'm willing to take that chance. So, they're not going to like they're going to torture Devin, but they're just going to pump him full of like, uh, you know, a truth serum instead. Right. Right. And so the- where I thought I thought Mr. Mr. Soft Hands was going <laughs> to just use his use his powerful baby claw and like break Devin's fingers. I mean, come on. You've got that ability. Why drug him in the first place? So what I love, though, is that so the whole so they stay at the scalpel. They got this truth serum out. But what they're really going to do is 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 Dick Hands. He he tells, 
he he pulls up this other guy next to Devin, who's moderately the same build, and they're basically gonna pull a face. <laughs> they're gonna pull a face off on Devin, and they're gonna surgically alter the other guy's face to look exactly like Devin, so Devin can infiltrate wherever this isotope is and get his hands on it. <laughs> well, did what the, what Devin's sitting in? Do you remember going to the dentist as a kid? The yes. uh, the the surround X-ray machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would do like the whole jaw X-ray. That's what Devin's sitting in without the X. I, I think that's what it is. It's the X-ray machine, but and they turned it into like this laser and, and thingy. I don't know. He called it something. It was like laser. Well, I want to. Okay, I'm just gonna Go. pull it straight out of Team America. L- valmorification, laser valmorification, yes, whatever. That's perfect. I think that's so. Basically, great. they're gonna copy Devin's features with a laser, and then they're gonna. Burn it onto the other guy? I don't I, know. But that's what happens. And apparently it's immediate. It's Well, I was going to say, because the next time we see this other guy, he looks exactly like Devin. And this is when you said Michael's starting to get really... Michael's starting to get nervous. Because he's like, Devin never calls me. He hasn't called in day. Like, I don't know what's going on. And Devin, fake Devin, finally calls Michael. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, we're fine. Quinlan and I have just been really busy. So... Don't worry about it. You're fine. Okay, fine. But of course, Michael can't let that go. He's got a he's got a, a spidey sense about. Of course him. he does. Of course he does. And it, it pays off because the next I love I love when Michael goes to um, Doctor Fart Hands and his, his office to kind of confront him because Michael just mm-hmm. fucking houses this guy. He, he walks into. I know because the guy threatens him with his hand or threatens him or something, and goes to swing at Michael with his with his baby hammer, <laughs> and like Michael dodges it and punches him in the stomach and like knocks all of the air out of him amazing. completely. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing, and then he walks out, and he goes. To, he finds the one locked door that he kicks in, and just like he try, he tries to pick the lock. Then the bodyguard guy comes out, the big dude who we've seen a lot. He plays a lot of thugs, and um, yeah, Michael handedly just destroys him. That's right, and then kicks the door in onto the fake Devin's office, and fake Devin's in there, just like. Oh, hello, Michael. Like, unfazed that Michael just kicked the door yeah, in. He's like, like, compl- it's like, I was expecting he's that. He's all chipper and shit. And, but he's like, I love it because he's pr- like, to prove to Michael, he's like, oh, I am the real Devin. They go back to the location with Cernium and they kind of have a conversation down there, which is exactly what the whole plan was, which I thought was a really nice way for them to get in there. But Michael is obviously still really, um, hesitant to trust that this is the real and uh the night girl was there too and kind of like what was her first name again jennifer i want to say it was karen she's a karen she is a karen Karen knight anywho she was there um and uh and and like like underhandedly shit all over michael you know like because michael was talking about all the security precautions he took and she's like you know what you don't tell Devin how to do things when you're not as smart you're you don't have as much experience you're all this stuff like shitting all over michael and bonnie's there too they're just like oh well that's uncalled for well thank you and uh well thank you for that um bye michael michael's getting a little a, a little tingly in his butt because you know he's got that spidey sense and it's the kind of feeling that you get when you're like you look over a cliff or you're up really high and you feel like you're going to fall. You get like puckered a bit. Yeah. Michael gets that same feeling and he's like, huh, this is the first time, you know, I've got this feeling about Devin and I, I got the feeling that I don't like him. Like he could tell that there's something wrong. He sounds the same. He looks the same, but he's acting funny. Right. He's acting like a twat. He is. He absolutely is. So there's two moments that we didn't really kind of touch on in the episode. So the first one is, and she's kind of factors into the end of the episode, is we Dr. Quinlan's assistant, Marta, who basically most of the episode Michael has spent flirting with her um, for a good chunk of Most of the episode, episode, she's been in her apartment or whatever that is. What, I know. What is that room? Is that like I don't an- know. <laughs> it was, it's, like, it's like right outside of Dr. Quinlan's office, but it looks like an apartment. <laughs> Yeah, but that's the like that I thought it was. Was it I is it not? I thought it was her apartment. Well, it's no because when he goes over to see her, he asks her, "Oh, is Dr. Quinlan in?" "Oh, no, no, okay. he's not here right now." But the outside of Quinlan's office looks like a fucking apartment. That's what Okay, that's what got confused me. Yeah. That's what yeah. got confused me. What the shit is wrong with me? I don't know. I don't I've know. I've been I've been speaking words for 
for almost 39 years and I can't talk? I still can't talk proper wording with in that. God, okay. I know. So yeah, so Marta factors a little bit into the end of the episode more than <laughs> more than anything. You guys can't see this, but every now and then Greg and I will just put our hands up in weird positions and just stare at each other through the camera. <laughs> With our my baby and oh. um, <laughs> so yeah, Marta factors in a little bit more intently at the end of the episode because we get the sense that she may or she may have ratted Michael out to the bad guys when we get to the end of the episode. Um, but they played it well. I have to say they played it well where we really don't know. Like you can't tell that she knows something, but you also don't like maybe she's just a pawn in the whole thing too. Right. So. Yeah, I'm still, jury is out with Mar- Marta. And the other thing, which we'll get back to the end of the episode in a minute, the other thing we didn't talk about was the Street Avenger. Oh, right. So, so okay, Street Avenger. R- at the second Michael gets into Chicago, Kit picks up something on the police band about yes. a robbery in progress. Yes. And that there's th- three guys, but one of them, they're, two guys are being chased by a third party who's dressed funny. And Kit deduces that it's this character called the Street Avenger, who's yes. apparently some kind of vigilante in the Chicago area. He's like he's like he's like a real life Batman. So exactly. So <laughs> I think this is another reason why they want to uh, you know turn the like, get rid of the foundation because Michael, without any warning to anybody, decides to all right, let's intercept and help them out. You know, right. you're again, you're not a cop. No, no one knows who you are. Yep. So. He goes into the the heat of battle and like helps the street avenger tackle these two guys, and, they and it this... ends in this big old corny thumbs up <laughs> yes, to each other. I was gonna and say that's the... it. Hey. We don't see them again. We see them one more time near the end of the episode when the two thugs that he was chasing at the beginning. Kit has this moment. He has this kind of another one of those existential moments where the guys are trying to steal cars, and when they come across Kit, they were one of the guys was like, "Oh yeah, let's take the black t top," and the other guy says, "No, it's too old. Like these this car's out of date." And so Kit has this like existential moment of like, Michael, do you think I'm too old? <laughs> like I, it's a fantastic. couple of times and Kit Michael has a nice moment, he kinda like squashes it when he says, Kit, to me, you're timeless. And it was just a really <laughs> again, it kind of moved that forward uh character moment between the both of them. But yeah, we see the street avenger twice, and the second time he shows up, he's standing on the hood of a car with a shot shotgun, and he scares off the two thugs from stealing Kit and then he runs. Okay. Great. Can I give can I give a little spoiler for the rest of the season? Yeah, tell me. So the guy who plays the Street Avenger becomes the fourth recurring character in the show when they ask when they have him come on as part of the foundation. Great. <laughs> I can't just, wait. But I'm as the, well, as the Street Avenger as another character. As so he's no I don't believe he's any longer the Street Avenger. He goes by his real name. Okay. Which I don't know at this moment, but I do believe he is the character that they ask he becomes part of the show after as of part two. Like he becomes because a fixed, the, uh, fixture. Okay, great. I'm excited because I'm excited. Let's just get there. Let's get there, man. So okay, so back to the end. So Marta tells Michael basically like, "Oh, I got a call for you. You're supposed to meet these guys over by this warehouse. It's, it's it has something to do with Cerny and one sixteen. So you might want to go down there." And as Michael's talking to this thing, this thing, <laughs> Marta, she's not <laughs> <Yeah>. a thing. <laughs> well, I have to. I'm just gonna. I'm just going to put a pause on this for a second. Where they are looks an, an awful lot like the same road and bridge where the guys in Beerfest picked up Barry Badranath. Whoa. I'm going to have to go back and watch that, but I think <laughs> it looked that, you know really what? familiar. You might be right. You might be right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, I yeah, love anyway, the- she's not a thing. I she's lo- a person. She's not a thing. She's a she's a human person. But I love it because when Michael and Marta are talking, this street cleaner comes by spraying water and Kit rolls his windows up. But what we find out is that the street cleaner who's spraying water is actually spraying the chemical agent that denutralizes Kit. And basically it washes off whatever chemical was on there to make Kit invulnerable. But But I thought it was molecularly bonded. It was. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it create all kinds of heat to like yeah. to dissolve that? Like Kit wouldn't know. So I, and the other funny thing is, like, so so Devin spilled the beans, I guess, or whatever, and they had enough time to fill a water truck with whatever chemical agent could dissolve Kit's shell. Yes, I love the timing of this episode. Is so because this is F. still the first day, as far as I can tell. There hasn't been a night. No, I believe you're this, right. This it's, has I happened be- within like 12 hours. 
Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So they fill up a water truck with this chemical compound to denutralize Kit, and Kit has no idea. He just assumes guys just spraying him down a little bit with water. And it's funny because Michael, when he's walking back to Kit, he starts, he opens the door and stuff, puts his hand on Kit. I'd think, like, wouldn't that burn? Wouldn't there be something going on there? Or, like, wouldn't the paint start coming up? Or, like, wouldn't he notice something? Or he maybe I don't know if he would smell something unless it was odorless, but like I feel like there should have been Good some... God, kid, it smells like burning metal and baby hands. <laughs> smells like Bigfoot's dick. God. Uh, Michael, how do you know what that smells like? Uh, so we're going to go to this warehouse to to figure out what they want about the Cernium 116. And let's let's talk about the climax of this episode. Good gravy, Kit takes a fucking beating. <laughs> oh, he man. does. Oh, poor Kit. But again, they just rebuilt him. This is the third time. So he gets rebuilt in season three premiere. He gets rebuilt in the um, Junkyard Dog. And now he's about to get rebuilt again because the Juggernaut busts out of the warehouse and just uses its battering ram and just fucking pummels. See, this is the thing that I find hilarious. So Michael's driving down this whole row of warehouses. They're all like loading docks and lots of garage doors all over the place. Yep. But does does the Juggernaut use a door? No, the Juggernaut goes to the side of the building, right next to a garage door. Of course he does. Of course juggernaut he does. Juggernaut don't use doors. Oh, it was great. It was great. And then I felt bad because Michael's unconscious. Kit is completely just shattered beyond belief. But the thing is, okay, so Kit, the, the Juggernaut comes out, hits Kit in the rear end, breaks something off of his bumper, and that's when Kit's like, oh my God, this is a big bad thing, blah, 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 blah. And only got hit once, right. and then all of a sudden starts losing his traction control, all of his power. Like he, he, all of a sudden his circus start going dead. Yeah. But, but the spray that they put on him just softens the shell. Like yeah. it's not some kind of a electrical melting thingy thing with stuff for, for kit melting. No, I think Mr. Butt Hands had something to do with it. Uh, that might be why they're so Dr. wet. Dr. Cheek Hands. Dr. Chub Rub Hands. And that, I mean, it's just, so that's how we end part one is with like Michael unconscious and Kit completely shattered to smithereens, you know? And the other thing too, is we, I feel bad because there's one little scene of real Devin watching this, a lot of the stuff go down and he just feels awful. He's just completely but, like, okay. So, so quick, I want to call him Quint. It's not, no, I just, well, I just um, watched that the other day. Speaking of Quint. Anyway, yeah, continue. <laughs> it's great, but he's he's making Devin watch the fake Devin walk Michael out of the that, building yep. earlier when Michael confronts the fake Devin, and Devin's like not tied up. He seems okay, even though they pumped him full of this chemical or whatever his pain threshold. Um, <laughs> his pain it's its pain threshold. So Devin's just a more of a badass because he's he's got all this like this truth serum in him, and he's completely lucid. Yeah. It's very interesting. Oh, sweet Devin. So he feels miserable. I mean, let me tell you something, Greg. I'm going to This is a very special show. This show, this show for years to come will hold a very special place in my heart forever and I, I just I am in love. I'm in love with every facet of this television show and this 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 season 4 premiere was no fucking different. And we're not even done yet. I know. So for the for those of you that have watched the whole thing, you're going to have to wait Till next week for us to finish it up. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it wow. I just I don't know. I don't know where it can go, but I also know exactly what where it can go. Which is I the, know. Yes, the same thing they've done for the past three years. You know. Yeah, and um, it's and it's amazing. I I don't know. I. <sighs> God, I love this. I love this show. It's nothing. Nothing will ever come close to it. I'm sorry. I don't care where we go after this. I mean, it's our it's our own weird, you know, enjoyment of it. But I have to say, like, I understand why it took a dive in the ratings because there's, they haven't done anything new. Like this episode is almost identical to like the Goliath episode, like the, or yeah. the you know, it's the same stuff. It's the same thing. Some some criminal, some bad guy that you only see once. Really flimsy plots, you know. Um, yeah. There's nothing carried through. I mean, there's no protagonist, yeah. or I mean, there's no antagonist. I mean, I think, I think no matter how hard you try in a show like this to keep it fresh and relevant, there's always going to be things like, okay, well, we already did that to some extent before, you know. And I think that's where yeah. the show is suffers for the rest of the season, and ultimately led to its cancellation because this is this was it. Uh, but, but it feels like so compared with MacGyver that took seven years to kind of wrap up, they wrapped it up. Even though there were there were seasons that were not good. Oh God, yes. Um, it feels like Knight Rider 
I mean, granted, we're just talking at the beginning of season four, but burned really bright and just they ran out of ideas really quickly. Yep. And they just kind of stopped. Like, that's what it feels like. A great idea that worked good for a season or two and then was really hard to keep going. Yep. I, I'm right there on that with you for sure. Do you want to know how season four, episode two uh, is going to wrap itself up, Greg? No, because okay. I don't know how. I don't know. It's more of the same. So n- next week, we're definitely going to talk more of the same. <laughs> and I'm really excited to see how Kit gets rebuilt for a third time. Yep. Well, because that's exactly what happens, Greg. Michael enlists some new friends to rebuild Kit and retrieve the missing isotope. There you go. Oh, what, what if they put the missing isotope in Kit? For safekeeping. Oh God. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, and it makes just... him makes him like superpowers. Like, like he can instead of like he can he can drive through ninety tons of rock and stuff anyway. But now he can actually like jump space time. He can he can he, he move through the fabric of time. He can appear anywhere. That would be my theoretical season five. Let's take him to space. Oh, but the the the, the sad thing is, the first time they try it, they forget that Michael can't. <laughs> but he's in Kit, so Kit like. Poof, goes through space time and just leaves like this this wetness behind and it's michael and he doesn't michael doesn't appear on the other end oh that well and that that's what leads into that whole thing where we talked about a couple of year, couple seasons ago with kit's existential crisis when he's floating through the cosmos alone because <laughs> he left he left michael <laughs> maybe a, that's why he left michael in a muddy mess back on earth <laughs> and and some of it's left in kit like it like it's when um i I don't know. It's like when, uh, I don't know, when portals open and close. I don't know what I'm talking about, but you know, you don't quite make it through and your body gets sent to different places yes, or doesn't yes. get put back together again. That's exactly what like it is. Like the nano wall in Doom. Oh, God. That'd be fun. Yes. Well, <laughs> well, Greg, this is, uh, man, I just, it's, it's, it's going to be tough, but we only have 20 episodes left. <laughs> doesn't feel like that much, but I, it's, it's going to go fast. So that's 20 weeks, 20 more weeks of this little show. less than six months of the show to go. Greg, do you, uh, do you have any, uh, do you have any closing thoughts this week before we, um, before we close her up and we see everybody next week for part two? I, uh, I had a great time watching this and I was lucky to have my wife sit down next to me for a few minutes while we were watching oh, this. that was nice. And she, she laughed out loud on several occasions of things that Michael was saying. Well, that's what we want. We like to see that. It was we great. We like to see that. Yeah. All right, guys, listen, if you want to get in touch with us, there are a bunch of ways to do that. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Champa Klein, Instagram at Knight Rider Years, Twitter at Knight Rider Pod. You can visit our website, champacline.com. Uh, you can call our hotline, 207-835-1954, and leave us a message about anything. You can also leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way for us to be seen and heard by other listeners. Gregory, that's going to put the uh, put the cover on uh, part one of the season four premiere. Anything else you got to say? No, I'm, I'm uh, no. Okay, fair enough. All right, guys, for the Knight Rider years, I am your host, Mr. Soft Hands. I am your other host, ba- Baby Club. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Good night, Baby Club. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Thinking, kid. I'm not upset. Your pulse rate is up, your blood pressure is high, and you're gripping the steering wheel with alarming pressure. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up to the minute network shenanigans by following at Podfix on Twitter, official underscore Podfix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.